Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a hot minute. Uh, a we bit. intended to be doing this about a week or two ago, but somebody went and got COVID. Miss Rona, she got me. Yeah, so we had a, we had a COVID holiday. Uh, but we're back, and we're ready to talk about several things, actually. Several um, many things. Yes. Um, in the last couple of weeks, uh, I was sent uh, a copy of Marvel Dice Throne. So I figured we should talk about that. Uh, the, the company that makes it, uh, the company that publishes it, the OP Games, uh, also published by Roxley Games, uh, sent out some requests for people that wanted to review the game. And uh, I have the, the the season two of the original Dice Throne and parts of season one. Jason, you and I talked about it on one of our previous podcasts, so mm-hmm. I know you've played Dice Throne. You haven't had a chance to play Marvel Dice Throne. We looked and there's no online version of it so uh with us being like a thousand miles apart that was an impossibility but i've spent some time with it playing against several different people i also played cooperatively with my wife against the dice throne adventures uh you know like sort of like co-op adventure campaign thing going on there Mm -hmm. uh so i've tried all of the heroes except for loki uh i guess with scarlet witch i played against her and with her but i pretty much feel like i understand scarlet witch so uh, so I have played all eight characters. Or I've seen all seven characters other than Loki uh, actually on the table and being played, and I've actually directly controlled six of them. Uh, so I feel like I've sampled enough of Marvel Dice Throne to compare it to the previous version of Dice Throne and to sort of cast judgment on it, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I cast judgment on thee. Yeah, but but I'm getting ahead of myself. I already mentioned that it's published by the OP Games and Roxley. Actually, I don't know if it's the OP or the OP. It's the company that was previously known as USA. Monopoly, the company that made like all the themed Monopoly games, like for your universities and the oh, Simpsons yeah. and whatnot and everything. Now they do a lot of other things, and they've rebranded as of 2019 to the and it says capital O and P, no periods or anything. So I've just been saying the OP, but it could be the OP, which is you know short for a Monopoly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's designed by Gavin Brown, Nate Chatelier. It's either that or Chatelier, I don't know, uh, and Manny Trembley. Uh, art is by Damien Momoliti and Manny Trembley. Uh, so, Dice Throne, if you haven't heard our previous episode and are unfamiliar with it, is Yahtzee. But, you know, with punching and laser beams and stuff. <laughs> Uh, or, you know, like in the case of the previous game, so that the previous version of Dice Throne had a lot of generic unlicensed characters like Moon Elf, you know, like like Ninja, uh, Samurai, Gunslinger, things like that. Right. Just mm-hmm. sort of like archetypes of warriors. Uh, not not that dissimilar from that game we were playing at uh, after Gen Con. The, what was it called? A ger- battle through history or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, only you're playing those, you know, as characters and fighting each other. Everybody gets 50 health. Everybody has five dice. Everybody has a character board that they fold out. And there's, like, nine abilities listed on that character board with various, like, matches as far as the face di- the dice face goes. So, like, you know, like, like when you're playing King of Tokyo or... Yahtzee or whatever, you roll five dice and you try to make matches with the faces of the dice that you roll, right? And then you mm-hmm. get an opportunity to re-roll those dice up to two times, so for a total of three rolls per per turn. And in this game, you're trying to match those faces to the different abilities that your character has to, you know, fight the other people, activate buffs or debuffs, uh, 
activate these tokens that you have on your sheet that like do various things. Lots of different token effects take place in, in a game of Dice Throne. And you're basically just like, it's it's a dueling game. You know, like you're trying to battle the other people at the table. Usually it's one of the person, but you can play up to six. You can play team games. Uh, I played a, a one versus one versus one game earlier today that was really fun, actually. And you, you go through and you do that until somebody dies, right? And, and you're left with just the winner. You can also, like, go for straights. So just like in, in, in Yahtzee, you can go for, like, a one through five or, you know, like a two through six or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's all kinds of different ways, all kinds of different ways that you're looking at your dice after you throw them. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I can already activate this ability over here, but I'm only one die away from this other ability on the other side of the board that has these other effects that seem much, much better. So it's that sort of that urge to like do I risk it all and and re-roll one of these dice that might roll like mess up the ability that I already have in hand in order to go for that other thing that looks so much better, right? Like right. that's the decision point you find yourself at many many times in a game of Dice Throne or Marvel Dice Throne. And that's kind of where the game is at its most fun is when you're you're kind of put at that that crossroads and forced to make a decision. It's like Yahtzee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's what it is, right? I mean, it, it's a more complicated game of Yahtzee that also happens to have cards because there are cards in the game. Every every character has, I don't know, it's like maybe 12 or something, like cards that are specific to their character that synergize very well with their character abilities and some of the token effects that they have. Mm-hmm. And then everybody has sort of like a, oh, there's a bunch of upgrade cards in there too. So like you might have like a Black Panther has, you know, like a certain ability that allows him to you know, uh, charge up his kinetic energy in his suit, right? His vibranium suit. Uh, And then you might get an upgrade card that, like, gives you one more of those kinetic energy every time you activate it instead of, like, the base amount or whatever. Things like that, right? Like, like, uh, maybe maybe an upgrade might just give you more damage on the damage part of your ability or, or, or whatever. And so you, you, you have those in the deck. You've got a bunch of other cards that can just be played for whatever the effect is. And they oftentimes, for the... They oftentimes synergize with the character's abilities and, and tokens, like I said. And then there's a bunch of cards that are just sort of generic, general cards that basically every character has. Like, you know, uh, avoid so much damage or, you know, like change the die value or make somebody reroll a die. Things like that. Right. Yeah. And so you are using your CP, which is combat points, which is the currency that you use to spend those cards, play those cards. You're, you're using that, the cards, the tokens, and then, you know, using all of that in conjunction with the dice rolling and the abilities that you can activate with your die rolling. And then there's plenty of ways within the card deck and the token effects and everything to then manipulate the dice to mitigate the randomness uh, to, to do that, to play the game, to try to activate the best abilities in order to take out your opponent. That is Dice Throne in a nutshell. That is also Marvel Dice Throne because mechanically... Like, as far as the rules go, nothing's changed. It's basically the same mechanical game. If you know how to play Dice Throne, you know how to play Marvel Dice Throne. Hmm. The big difference between the two things, as far as I can tell, is the license. (laughs) So if you like Marvel a lot, then you might like this more than the other seasons because it's got characters that you recognize, like Doctor Strange, Hmm. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Thor, uh, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow. It's got Black Panther. It's got Loki. I'm probably... I didn't mention Captain Marvel. Uh, Anyway. um, So, you know, it's got all those characters. The thing that really stood out to me was it feels to me like the creativity put into the design of the different abilities and the token effects has taken a step forward. Uh, in the previous versions of the game, I felt like a lot of the characters started to feel a little bit samey after a while because a lot of the abilities and the token effects would be, you know, like do this much damage, prevent this much damage, heal this much health, right? And a lot of different variations on those particular things. Whereas in this game, I was looking at, I was thinking about that criticism where, where like it feels like a six of one, half dozen of another sort of thing with the original two seasons as far as the 
the, the effects that the tokens did. And I started looking at the character sheets with all the Marvel characters, and there's very little of that. They all have more sort of unique effects that they do. And so each one of these characters feels, I think, more unique than any of the characters that have come since, mm-hmm. and very unique from each other, each other as well. So when I was playing this game... I wasn't really feeling like any one character just felt like a carbon copy or like just a variation on another character. And they all felt thematically like they were themselves, right? Like they, it felt like the mechanics did a good job of evoking the theme of the characters that they were emulating mm-hmm. in a way that I felt like was even better than previous seasons, which I already thought did a decent job. It's just that, you know, you can only have so many offensive characters and so many defensive characters and so many buff characters and, and everything. And so after I'd played like 14 of those characters, I started to feel like some of them were a little similar, right? Yeah. Um, that is not the case with Marvel Dice Throne. They feel way more unique and original as far as the mechanics go and the effects that they do and everything. And I found myself really falling in love with this game again, especially with the Marvel characters because of the sort of uniqueness of them all. So I guess to summarize, I think I thought Marvel Dice Throne was a lot of fun. Um, I think when you and I played it, you were like a little less hot on it because I think you hadn't really, you know, like you felt like there was a lot of randomness that kind of like mitigated your ability to have fun. But then again, like I don't think we were also using the cards and the the token effects and everything to the the fullest in order to mitigate that that randomness at the time. So I'm not sure that you really had like, you know, like the best experience. But this version, I think it, it, it makes the game even more unique, even more fun. I think that it's a good step forward for that that series mm-hmm. uh i think that if you were going to start with a dice throne and you're not turned off by the marvel license this is the one to get hmm. and i think it's awesome i i like dice throne a lot i love dice throne i play a lot of it and i think that uh you know it's an accessible game it's a game that you can teach just about anybody i could teach it to my seven-year-old very easily uh it's a game that i can explain to somebody in five minutes or less and then they're up and running there's with only like you know like a few very quick quick to answer questions while you're playing it's not a game where you're referencing the rule manual all the time until you hit one of the five specific types of damage and whether or not you can or can't modify it or avoid it or you know like like that's the only sticking point as far as the rules go is that they have a full table in the rule book for to help you kind of like navigate the different types of damage but 90 percent of the time you're just using either undefendable damage or regular damage and those are pretty simple and straightforward Hmm. uh so it's not really a huge problem so it's a game that has a very Easy to digest rule set provides a lot of fun for the weight of the game that it is, and I think could be enjoyed by just about anybody that isn't turned off by a certain degree of random dice, right? Right. So I don't know. That's kind of my final thoughts on Dice Throne and Marvel Dice Throne is that this is Dice Throne is a great game, and this is the best version of that game. So <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Yeah, so that was my whole uh, monologue on Marvel Dice Throne, since Jason has no experience with it. Do you have any questions about Marvel Dice Throne, Jason? <laughs> ask me anything about Marvel Dice Throne. Who's your favorite character to play with? Oh, boy. that's um, So I just played as Thor today, and he has this really fun... His, his hammer Mjolnir yeah. uh, does not, it has a token for it, a big like oversized token. And the, one of the things I liked about it was that it doesn't count as a status effect. It counts as a companion. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I had, a lot of, I, I had a lot of fun <laughs> toying around with the different mechanics to get to throw Molnir out and then, like, retrieve it. And then that gives you, like, a certain amount of, like, electric energy, basically, that you mm-hmm. can then, like, use for other effects and everything. So that was a lot of fun. Gosh, it's really tough to pick one because Doctor Strange has, like, a bunch of special cards that only he has uh, that he can put on the Book of Ashanti on his character board. Mm-hmm. And then, like, later on, cast those spells. Like, it has a certain effect when you prepare the spell by putting it on the Book of Ashanti. And then it has another different effect when you cast the spell, which happens mm. through some of your, your dice uh, activated abilities. So he's a lot of fun to play. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. I haven't played Loki yet, but like he has one of these a debuff that he puts on somebody, and when that person attacks you, you then take three cards, and it's it's his illusion token, right? And mm. and you put those three cards in front of the other player, and they have to pick one, right? <laughs> and 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 you can taunt them and be like, I think you should pick this one, <laughs> right? And when if they pick the wrong one, it does zero damage, right? Right. <laughs> and there's one that does half damage and one that does full damage. But I mean, like that looks really fun, right? Like that there's like a whole like sort of metagaming element to Loki with that so I mean like I would say Doctor Strange was a lot of fun I, I would like to play him some more Thor was a lot of fun uh, he was really cool uh, when I played Miles Morales he was the first character that I played as and so I don't know like maybe there's like a primacy sort of like you know thing there but uh, he does like small amounts of damage mm-hmm. but he's like one of the only characters that can kind of take two turns in a row because he's so fast <laughs> and that can be kind of fun, right? To just be like, I punch you, I punch you, I punch you. Oh, that didn't hurt very much. But guess what? I punch you, I punch you, I punch you again, right? <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like they they all have something going for them. I don't think that you can really go wrong with any of them. None of them are clunkers or stinkers. Uh, Scarlet Witch has tons of like, you know, manipulate the dice abilities and do all mm. kinds of other crazy stuff. Like she can, she has an ability that forces you, her opponent, to swap one of your dice with one of hers when it's your turn so that you you have no chance to activate your ultimate ability or like, you know, like so like a large straight or anything like that. Or well, I guess you could do a large straight cause it's just numbers, but you know, like, uh, your, 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 your things that require five dice faces of your face, right? You mm-hmm. couldn't affect Like you just can't. So there's all kinds of cool effects with this, this version of the game. Um, uh, black widow's awesome. She like throws bombs at people and she just gets better and better at it as the game goes on. So I don't know. Like they're all, they're all great, but I don't know if I had to pick one right now that I think I'd want to play again, like tonight, I would just play Thor again. Cause that was really fun with Mjolnir and everything. And I'm just a huge Thor, Thor nerd. So <laughs> Thor nerds. I'm a Thor nerd. All right. Uh, so that is it for Marvel dice. Unless you had another question, Jason, but I feel mm. like we should probably move on. Probably is something else you're dying to know. <laughs> if I do, I will let you know. Okay, uh, so Jason wants to check back in on a couple of games that we mentioned during Gen Con. CT. Yes. Uh, so these are things that we mentioned. We said, hey, these these seem like good games, uh, but Jason's played them each once or twice more since then. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to check in, and he's going to tell us how they're holding up over time. So, Jason, the first tab that I've got here is Acropolis, mm-hmm. which is designed by Jules Messo and published by Gigamatic Gigamic, 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 plus four more. Or is it Gigamic? I don't know. Uh, who knows? Art by Pauling <laughs> de Traz. Probably somebody knows, but not us. Oh, yeah, between, not the us. Two, <laughs> between the two of us, who knows? Uh, so Acropolis, this is the tile-laying, hexagonal, stacking, matching game. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, it's King Domino, but better, or more complicated, is. I guess. It's more... Like three dimensional than King Domino. It's the it's a it's a step up. It's a complexity plus one King Domino. True, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is a game that we played once at Gen Con. It was one of the ones that I was uh, sort of excited about uh, checking out before we went to the convention. Um, and I've played it twice more since then. 
And is it still good? It is still good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoy it quite a bit. Um, it's, uh, as you said, it's sort of it's sort of King Domino plus one. Uh, and that I like, King Domino is a really, uh, a game that I really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. But I can only play it like, I don't know, a couple of times, two or three times in a row, maybe. It, it gets old, right? I yeah, mean, like it it's, gets it's, old. There's only so much depth in King Domino, and even though it's a really great short time game that you can fit in in between other things and teach to people really easily, you would get bored of it playing it time after time. Right, and I think Acropolis uh, does a couple of things to sort of fix that problem a little bit. Mm. One is that sort of in King Domino, you're restricted to a, a square. Um, and in Acropolis, yeah, yeah. you can spread out your tiles as far as you want. Like, there's no, you know, limit to how how far you can spread them out. The um, table, probably. Right? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't have any place to put it, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But um, the second thing that it does is that it adds a, a verticality to it. So in King Domino, you just have to lay the dominoes side by side. But in Acropolis, you can also place them on top of uh of, of a layer of previously placed tiles uh so that you can build upwards um and that the first time we played that's an element that i sort of ignored uh until it was kind of too late <laughs> so like, yeah like halfway through the game i was like oh i should be bumping these up because these multiply my score multipliers are good <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and uh and it was too late by that point gabe had just like run away with it but um but you know, having played it a couple times since then, um, I'm actually I'm really enjoying the the uh, the verticality of it. The you know, sort of adding this extra dimension of uh, of score accumulation. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I'm really kind of enjoying the way the game looks a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, King Domino is fun. Uh, it has these nice little cartoony things, but uh, Acropolis is like it's more colorful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the tiles it's, are shaped weird. <laughs> it's very colorful. I, I think it's not just more colorful. It, it's colorful in a very fun way, right? Yeah. So things like King Domino is like, <coughs> excuse me, it's like gray, brown, green, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, blue. There's, you know, like ocean tiles. Um, but Acropolis is like purple, yellow, green, orange, uh, you know. And they're very, they're very vibrant shades of those colors. Yeah, yeah they are. Um, and the tiles themselves are sort of strangely shaped so that you don't just end up with like a, a, a four by four grid or whatever it is. I, I feel like they're also kind of like a little bit thicker than your typical they're cardboard very tile. Yeah, yeah, they're very chunky tiles. Yeah, they're they're like the not the thickest tiles from Cosmic Frog, but like maybe <laughs> like the 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 ones that are just above the the normal thickness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Not that anybody has any reference for that, probably, because I'm guessing we're the only two people that have ever played Cosmic Frog uh, <laughs> that have ever listened to this podcast or been on it. So, yeah. So and, and the other part of it I like is that, you know, it's a tile lane game, but there's also this there's sort of an economy in it in that I mean, it's not an economic machine like it doesn't operate on a loop like a lot of other you know economic building games are. But there is an economic element to it in that you can't ignore uh gathering the the money the resource that you use to uh to buy things i mean i suppose you could but then your options in terms of what tiles you get would be very limited yeah um so you kind of you can't ignore the i need to gather resources kind of thing and sort of trying to decide you know when is good to get more resources because getting more resources doesn't get you any points when we were playing at Gen Con, I remember thinking to myself, I need to plan ahead at least, you know, like one turn ahead of time yeah. before I, I cash in something, right? Because you want to try to min-max 
that. You want to try to maximize the amount of money that you get for it and minimize the amount of points that you're like losing by, by doing so. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and that's something I think I got better at the, you know, the more that I played it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, it just, it sort of adds, you know, one more, again, it's that sort of, uh, King Domino plus one. It adds just sort of like one more tiny layer of complexity. It's not like brain burning. It's, it doesn't stress me out, but no, it's, it's, it's just a good, a, it's a good step up from yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like a half step up, which is, you know, very, I nice. would say it's a full step, but I'd say that it's, it's a necessary full step in order to want to play a game like that. For you know, like give it a longer tail than than yeah. what King Domino has. King Domino is fine if you just like bring it out like every now and then as like a filler game, yeah. or you know, like just like in a short. You've got a short amount of time that you wanna you wanna play a game in or something. Sure. Um, King Domino is a fun game, and it's it's you know perfect for what it is. But sometimes you want something that is similar, but maybe like a little bit more you know, a little bit more complex. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Uh, something a little bit more to invest in, right? And and that's what this is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's Acropolis. Uh, the other game that I've played, uh, again, since we played it that one time at, uh, at Gen Con, uh, is Wormholes. Wormholes, designed by Peter McPherson, art by Caring Wong, and published by Alderac Entertainment Group. A-E-G. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Wormholes is, uh, sort of like a pick-up-and-deliver kind of game, um... <clears throat> Pick so, up and deliver and jump through wormholes kind of game. Yeah, it's sort of like using <laughs> using wormholes to slingshot across the universe and be able to deliver people to planets faster than I mean, your opponents. If you think about it, it's really like a route laying game. True. Yeah. Um, you do because you do have to kind of de- like decide where you, you want you make, to place the I mean, wormholes. You're, you're making permanent choices with where those go. You can't move them, and you only have so many, right? Yeah. There's. Yeah. I think there's eight. I can't remember. Six. Six. Is it eight? It's, yeah. It's less than ten. I don't remember exactly how many. Maybe it is eight. I think it is. There's like I think there's eight tokens for four wormholes, right? Because they, oh, they come in pairs. Oh, because there's a start and an end. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, they come in pairs. So four wormholes, but eight tokens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's a, a fair amount of strategy in sort of figuring out where would be the optimal place to, uh, to put these things in order to facilitate your travel, you know, to and fro across the universe to drop people off at planets. Um, the other element of this is that, um, you, you're supposed to use other people's wormholes. Um, doing so <laughs> comes at a cost, like you have to pay a point, uh, not to the other person, it, the point goes to the bank, but, um. But you do basically lose a point by using somebody else's wormhole. I thought it did go to the other person. <clears throat> no, uh, unless I did it wrong the second time, but I don't think it does. I think we were play- paying oh, it, it to does. each other. We were definitely paying it to each other the first time. Oh, well, maybe I I don't remember which time. It doesn't matter. Have to it, look at it. It's fine. <clears throat> whatever. Like, there, there's a penalty to you, and yeah. there may be a you know, like a benefit to the person whose right. wormhole you're using. I, yeah, I, that's how we played it. The idea is that, like, yeah, you may be losing a point, but it's in service of getting more points because you're dropping off things that are worth more points wherever you end up getting to. Um, and that... <laughs> That's a tough thing for me to negotiate sometimes. <laughs> um, just because, first of all, I'm generally averse to sort of giving up points. Like, once I have them, I, I want to keep them. Uh, I don't like using them as resources. Um, but aside from that, um, it's also a little bit of a, I don't know, kind of a counterintuitive thing, I guess, um, to 
you know, use you spend all this time setting up a travel network, and then you start using other people's travel networks. Uh, it's it, it's a little bit counterintuitive to me. It feels bad. It does feel bad. <clears throat> it feels bad. You, yeah. you, you've you've invested in this network of your own, thinking, oh, maybe I'll be able to use this to you know, like get back to this other planet where I can drop off these these quests or whatever, right? Right. Um, these deliveries. And then you find yourself in a situation where that's not really viable anymore. That's not really worth it anymore. And now you have either no no option left to you or the option maybe to use somebody else's wormhole. It, it just – it's a bad feeling, right, when you're, you're yeah. stuck with two choices that are worse than the thing you were hoping for. Right, yeah. So so that or part planning for. feels – doesn't feel great. I mean it's not terrible. It's just it's, – it's a little weird. Um, the other thing is that it's very heavily dependent on the card draw. Um, yeah. So you could end up getting really, really lucky with the card draws and have a ton of people to drop off at the same planet. Or you could, like, have a handful of cards that don't match and you have to, like, ping pong all over the place to drop these people off. Yeah, there's probably not time to really complete all of that before right. somebody else yeah. has run away with the game. Yeah. Now, the thing that can mitigate that is that, you know, whenever you basically trade uh, passengers, they go into like a dock at the main space station. But don't and, you have to be at the space? You have to be well, at the space station to, at the to pick, space station up, to pick right? them up. Yeah. Um, so, but what eventually happens is that you get like a small stack of people that are all going to the same planet. Um, yeah. But you, the 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 counter to that is you also have to go back to the space station to pick yeah. up those people. Now, Which if you create turns. if you create enough of an effective travel network, that yep. may not be so problematic. Um, and I think that's one thing that like people should probably try and work towards as a strategy mm-hmm. uh, is being sure that you can more easily get back to the space station. Other than that, I mean, it's a fine game. It doesn't take very long to play. Um, you know, the the thing that I don't like about it is the sort of the randomness act of it that has a sometimes negative impact on uh, I- on your ability to play the game. Yeah, it, like randomness isn't terrible as long as it doesn't have a major impact on the playability for, you know, an individual. And in this game, the cards matter so much that it kind of felt like it did have like higher than average impact on whether or not you could play well, right? Yeah. Um but the fact that the game plays in like half an hour, like yeah. that sort of mitigates that for me. Yeah, it's, um, it's not a huge deal, but yeah. I mean like I, I feel like that's something you've got to consider with a game like this is that you know, with a get like I'm saying, like Dice Throne you can play in like thirty, forty minutes, and there's plenty of ways to mitigate the the randomness there. This game has some ways, but they're all kind of a pain to use. <laughs> uh, but it's there. And, you know, like there's there's plenty of other ways to try to to stay in the game, right? I mean, like you, you can try to rush to get your wormholes down like I was doing when we were playing and uh, you know, you can try to try to mill your your hand out and everything in order to fill it back up faster and hopefully get more pairs or triplets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, like there's some strategy in there to try to use to mitigate that 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 random element of the card draw, but it's still it felt to me like it had a a, a higher than average impact on the way that you could or could not play the game and and yeah. your success and yeah. everything. So yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I said, you know, it's a fine game. It it's, plays relatively short. Uh, it's not hard to learn. Um, looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty good. It's it's a it's a cute game. Yep, cool. 
All right, so that was Marvel Dice Throne, Acropolis with a K, and Wormholes. <laughs> I feel like that's the official title, Acropolis with a K. Well, there's another Acropolis game with a C, I so we gotta, you got to make sure that if you're looking for one, you know what you're looking for. There was people are going to be like, well, Acropolis from 2003, what, what are they talking about? You know, <laughs> uh, Acropolis with a K, so if you're looking for that, uh, should be published in 2022. 2020. Jason, if people would like to get a hold of us, and let us know where the best wormhole goes. <laughs> how would they do so? All right. So to place your wormhole outside of series, you can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can go to Twitter at limitedplaytime or Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. You can also follow me at Instagram uh, at, at KJ Bolin. I occasionally post there. Actually, more than the official uh, account. So, <laughs> you want to see some board game photos? That's where to go. Uh, I'm also working on a video. I've been working on a video. I worked on a video, and then I said this video isn't good enough, and then I started working on another video of the same. I'm doing dice throne video, so I'll have a dice throne video up eventually on our YouTube. We're gonna try to do more YouTube throughout the year. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, and other than that, thank you for listening, and we should be back in a couple of weeks with uh some more some more games to talk about later yep thanks bye